This is my first time back from my Wednesday night sabbatical. So now I'll be here unless I'm out of the country. And so we're going to learn about faith. Amen. We're going to learn about faith. But before we go on, we've got a special guest with us tonight, uh, Leonard Rossler. And uh, he is from Finley, Ohio. And I do encourage you that, you know, have some family or friends up there that you encourage them to go to Empowered Church. And uh, he will uh, be a blessing to you. And Leonard, why don't you stand up and greet the folks today? Well, praise the Lord. Yes, it is. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this evening. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. How many of you know our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? What we have to do is walk by faith, live by faith, and believe God. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, I've hit rock, rock bottom and there's nothing else that I can do. Or I'm up against a wall and there's nothing else I can do. There is always one thing else that you can do. How many of you know what that is? You're going to be hearing about it tonight. You can believe God. I want to say a from, my, from me personally, thank you to Only Believe Ministries, to this family of faith, to the Only Believe Network of Ministries. As many of you know, I've been through one of the probably greatest trials in my life, but I can testify tonight I'm cancer-free and thanking Jesus for that. And I appreciate the blessing that this church has been to us. And, you know, I value the, the relationship that I have with my pastor. And he's a great man of God, and I appreciate this church and the ministries of this church and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you and just want to encourage you to continue moving forward tonight is one of the first nights I've been out in a long time getting working at getting back into the grind it's good to be here I feel the presence of God here it's always good to see the pastor and it's good to see you God bless you hallelujah all righty. Thank you, Brother Leonard. Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 5. <clears throat> now, I am probably, uh, well, I'm probably, I am. I am the one that believes in God. I am a man that lives in a canopy of miracles and... Uh, I have had the great honor of walking with God through nations around the world. And tonight, as I start a faith revolution, I want to encourage you that you be a part of it every Wednesday night. It'll train, change your life. And uh, in Galatians 3, 5, it says this, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. Doth he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, the hearing of faith simply has to do with the gospel of Christ, the new creature of Christ, the position of the Gentile or those that have believed in Jesus Christ. These are the ones that 
operate or live in the miracles or the miraculous. Notice that it says, he that worketh miracles among you. It doesn't say that just has a miracle happen. Miracles don't just happen. Miracles are birthed by certain elements in a, pe in a person's life. And I want to talk to you about that tonight. You, as a believer, when you have faith, you have the potential to receive, activate, and to experience a miracle. It does not come by any other way. And so many times people try to get into works. People try to get into this and try to get into that and, uh, you know, try to be so theological and, and uh, so forth. But you know what? There is no substitute for faith. There's no sense in trying to find some other way to live, some other way to demonstrate, some deeper way in the scriptures than living by faith. Hello. Hallelujah. So it's we live by faith and we do it. And when we work miracles, we do it out of the substance of faith that is given to us by hearing the scriptures. Could I get an amen? Amen. All right, I want you to get that in your heart because it says, he that worketh miracles. In other words, miracles don't just happen. They are loosed or set in motion by an individual that possesses a supernatural substance called faith. Now, what is a miracle? Miracles are extraordinary events that go against natural science or natural actions, reactions, or the natural course of anything, and they cannot be explained by science, but are believed and birthed in the existence of God. In other words, they are breakthroughs or interventions of God into the course of natural events. Now, when we talk about having miracles, Jesus did 37 miracles in his life, in his earthly ministry. Now, we, we know there are 37 because we haven't recorded. They are not recorded in the 40 days after his resurrection, where John says that if they were written in books, that the world could not contain them. Some would say, oh, that's just impossible. No, the Bible doesn't lie. If anybody's a liar, it's a man. The Bible said that if they were written in books, that they would fill the earth. Don't make excuses for the Bible. Don't make excuses for miracles. Don't make excuses for the lack of miracles. Don't make excuses for failures. Just believe the Bible and adhere to it. Could have get an amen. All righty. So Jesus did 37 miracles, or 37 miracles are recorded. 31 of those miracles were not done by any faith from Jesus at all. 31 miracles were attributed to the people that received the miracle. Thy faith 
hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now that takes me back to Galatians 3, 5. That miracle didn't happen just because of who Jesus was. They didn't just happen by being in the right place at the right time. They didn't just happen because Jesus wanted something to get people's attention. They happened because somebody exercised their faith. Could again, amen. So anytime that a believer has faith, they have the potential to create a miracle. Miracles are experienced and worked by those that have faith. The problem is, is that we never become skillful in faith. We want to be skillful and knowledgeable in things that don't mean a hill of beans. Somebody wrote a statement, well, you know, Jesus didn't raise on the uh, third day or he was crucified on Thursday. And he was so I wrote to the person writing that on Facebook, which I don't know why people just put up with, with things that are not, you know, relevant. But I asked the question of this, was Jesus born? Well, the answer had to be yes. Was Jesus crucified? Well, the answer had to be yes. Well, was Jesus raised from the dead? Well, the answer had to be yes. And I said, I really don't care the dates, but I do have faith in the things that took place whereby my faith is founded in. You know, was Jesus born on December 25th? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. But if I took your birth certificate to the Philippines, you weren't born on the day that you were born neither. So you know you can choke at camels or at gnats and swallow camels. You know, I don't care when Jesus was born. I believe he was. I don't care when he was crucified. I believe he was. I don't care when he was raised from the dead. His evidence in his name that produces the miraculous established that he was raised from the dead. Amen. All right, so miracles are given or activated by believers who possess faith. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this very in a canopy way. Lots of Christians just are so lackadaisical living in the realm of the flesh that they really don't think that miracles are important. Therefore, their life never changes no matter what they face. Now, I do not say that in an upgirding or an upbuilding way. I say that as an indictment of slothfulness to the church. Yep, hallelujah. It's my first night back. Give me a, a part. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, miracles are worked by faith. So if you have faith, you have the ability to work a miracle. 
What is a miracle? We could say a miracle is a manifestation of a promise from God. Because the promise tells you where you are, but it also reveals to you what God will do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you never know what God's going to do. I would find a promise and see what he would do. Amen. And now, let's go to uh, Genesis, the 12th chapter. Genesis, the 12th chapter. This is a man, the father of faith. He is the first man. He is really entitled the man from the other side. And then it says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now this is the first time that, really the second time that God speaks to Abram. The first time is when he says, come out of the country. And he comes out of the land of Ur, and then he enters over in and touches the other side of the river that separates the land of the earth and the land of Canaan. And it says, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will make of thee a great nation. In other words, God says, I'm going to give seed to you. That's how he's going to make a nation of him. Now, this promise is 25 years prior to the verse that we're going to read. And if you'll go to Genesis, the 17th chapter, and we're going to look at one, Genesis 17, 1, notice that God has given Abram a promise 25 years earlier than this chapter 17. And then he says this, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, and the Lord appeared unto Abram, and he said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. In other words, God again is saying, I will bring life out of your loins. And he says, and I will make a covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. In other words, God again is saying, I will multiply or I will bring seed out of thy loins. And then he says in verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, 
for a father of many nations have I made thee. Notice the word have is a past tense statement. When did God make Abraham the father of many nations? Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Because he gave him the promise. 25 years before this encounter with God. And then he says, And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and unto thy seed. Notice how God progressively is defining his promise. I told you I'd make you exceedingly. Now I told you I will multiply you. Now I told you that you would be the father of many nations. Now I'm telling you it will be of your singular seed. Now, God makes this agreement with Abram, Abraham. Now, why has not Abraham been able to receive the promise? Does anybody know? Faith. He did not know how to speak faith. He did not know how to mix faith with a promise. So Abram, Abraham was able, when he learned how to mix faith with a promise, he became enabled to work a miracle. And he worked it. He didn't just wish it. He worked it. He came into Sarah, I don't know, night after night, every other night, every once a week, whatever. He began to have a relationship with Sarah based on new inspiration of God out of thy seed. And out of the statement of faith, Mixed with the promise, Abraham worked a miracle. Amen? It wasn't like God moved him across the tent. Abraham walked across the tent. He had sexual relationships with Sarah because God had inspired him to use faith. Now, Abraham had faith, and he brought miracles to pass. And so, every promise, according to God, just like Abraham had a promise, 25 years. Now, my question to believers is this. How many years have you been in your situation, and you wanted it to change and have done nothing? How many years ago should you have been Abraham, but you stayed Abram? Because you chose not to use your faith. And the problem isn't just that we just chose not to use faith. The problem really is a whole lot deeper 
You just have no confidence in the God that said he would perform what he spoke. Now, believe me, that is the problem. It is not the problem of faith. It is not the problem of the word. It is not a problem with God. It is the church's doubt in God upholding his word. And that is the crutch of every faith failure in the church. Now, I'm not trying to get on to you, but I'm not going to sugarcoat everything. Oh, well, you're just too hard. I don't know what to tell you. Buy a pillow. But I'm telling you, you know, this, how deep does unbelief go? This is why I took a sabbatical off Wednesday nights. Need to get some rough edges off. Don't you like the new polish me? Yeah, hallelujah. And so what we have to understand, Abraham had the potential for an intervention of God any time he wanted if he would have had the language of faith. You, on the other hand, have the language of faith. But in some way, many people don't believe in confession, don't believe in speaking things that are not as though they are, but your father, you're born from the loins of a man that first uttered the words of faith. Well, I just don't believe in speaking things that are not as though they are. Really, you tell people you're going to heaven all the time and and all of us doubt that you're ever going to make it. But you're telling everybody you're going to go. You're telling them the streets are gold. You're telling them that angels and elders fly around the throne crying, holy, holy. You're telling me that God lives in the city of the north. You're telling me there is a river of life. You're telling me that there is a tree of life. You're telling me this and that. You're telling me all kinds of things. And you have never, ever obtained any type of evidence at all. Listen, we have got to come to grips why we are not miracle workers. So we see that God gives us a promise. Now the Bible tells us that every promise of God is yea and amen and that we can experience it by faith and patience. Every promise, every promise. Somebody say every promise. Come on, somebody say every promise. How many of you believe every promise in the Bible? Really? Okay, hallelujah. What problems are you facing? What do you need transformed? And why have we not started the working of miracles? Yep, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go to John 9, 1, 8. John 9 and 1, 8. Some of us have children that are lost. Some of us have diseases that are gaining superiority over our life. Many of us are living on 
fixed incomes, and we will not dare believe God that we could live beyond that. Listen, folks, we are not born of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. And we have the substance of faith. And you and I can work miracles. John, the ninth chapter, I'm sorry, verse 1. There you go. Hallelujah. Thank you. And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, what did Jesus just say? You know what? Nobody created sin that this came up on this man. It just happens because people are in a sinful world. And then he says this. But you know what? I think I, take, I will take advantage of this and I will allow the work of God to do what God wants it to do. In other words, Jesus says, you know, I think I found this case so that I could work a miracle. Jesus goes to work. I must have worked the works of him that sent me while it is day, and the night cometh when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed his eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, now Jesus seeks to draw faith from the individual. And he says, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, washed and came seeing. And the neighbors thereof, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is this not him that sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. What did Jesus do? He just didn't perform a miracle. He worked a miracle. He worked a miracle. He establishes it's God's will that this man see. Jesus knowing if you have a promise of God or have the will of God, then all you need to do is mix faith with it. Jesus then asked the man to release the necessary substance. Faith. And when he released it, he received a miracle. 
Now, I don't know how long it took the man to get to the pool of Shalom. I don't know. I don't know how many times he got stepped on, kicked, pushed out of the way, lost. I don't know how many walls and rocks he had to feel, how many trees he had to hug on to because he got worried or cautious. I don't know. But what I do know that it was a miracle in process and that he was working the miracle. He didn't give up. He didn't surrender. He didn't fall down. He didn't say, oh, my word, it has to be easier. Oh, well, it must not be God's will. Or, oh, you know, I, I've been believing for 30 seconds. No, through faith and patience and unmovable determination, he made it to a pool. Now, I don't know if it was a pool of shalom. He was blind. I'm not sure that he knew. Wasn't really even important. The important fact was that he made it someplace to water and he washed his eyes and he saw. Was the miracle subject to Jesus? No, the miracle was unveiled that it was God's will to do so, the miracle was subject to the man's faith. Now, do you have anything harder than being born blind tonight? Do you have anything harder than not being able to see for 35 years? Do you have anything harder than getting beyond beggar status in your finances? What do you face? Was it harder than that? I would dare venture out to say tonight, no. This man worked a miracle. Jesus told us that if you have faith, if you have faith, you could say to this mountain. Now, I know some people say, well, you know, that's symbolic of, of problems, symbolic of this and symbolic of that. Well, you can symbolic yourself right into a butterfly. I believe that Jesus could speak to storms, curse trees, and move mountains. Now, I believe what the Bible says. Well, you just have to be reasonable. No, I don't. I would be like you. I'm not going to be reasonable. And so Jesus said, you can speak to a mountain. If you have faith, you can set in motion a miracle. You can transform the horizons of your world. You know, by faith do we understand that God created the worlds by the word of God. Do you know that God was facing chaos, destruction, devastation, a world without form and void, 
no life. Yet God took faith and worked a miracle and started it by saying, light be. And if God transformed the world, you can transform your life from chaos to order. And God made the earth productive, prosperous, successful, and fruitful. And your life can be the same if you'll take the word and mix faith with it. All we need to do is make a decision. All we need to do is make a decision. John, the fifth chapter, there was a man... He was in sin. In fact, at the end of the story, Jesus says, now you go and you sin no more, least the worst thing come upon you. And Jesus comes and he has this man laying by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus goes to this man that's in sin. You ever wonder why Jesus goes to a man that's in sin? Do you know that you can indebt God to your generations? If you give a prophet a prophet's reward, God will reward you with a prophet's harvest. You remember when Elijah said, what would the woman have me do that I might have a son? Why did Elijah disrupt everything that was going on and transform a life and give the woman a child? Because he was indebted to the woman. How about the one that poured oil in all of the vessels? He was indebted to the woman. When Jesus walked by the pool of Bethesda, he was there to pay a debt to a righteous mother and father. And that's why I tell you today that when you're living your life by faith and you're living your life with Christ and you are tithing and you are giving, start using your faith for your children because God will do whatever it takes to pay you back. God will owe no man. So Jesus comes by and he, he knows that it's God's will. He, he's being led of the Spirit of God and he, he comes to this man and everybody else is saying, why is he going to him? Hey, hey, I'm a righteous man. I, I, I've tithed off my arms. I've, I've done this, I've done that. Jesus goes to the man that God leads him to. And Jesus draws from the man the faith that had been deposited him in him as a child. And he says, take thy bed up and walk. Don't give me no excuses. Take your bed up. But I've got to, don't give me an excuse. Take your bed up. But I've got, but I've got, do you want to stay where you're at or do you want a miracle? Get up! Now, I'm sure he didn't just jump like Michael Jordan. I, I can see him getting off his cot 
I can see him maybe dragging himself over to a pole. I can see him grabbing somebody's arm and pulling their self up. Maybe it was Peter. Maybe it was on John. I don't know who it was on. But he pulled himself up. And all of a sudden, he didn't need anybody. A miracle had been wrought. We have faith. But we are also encumbered about by problems. Problems that hinder our faith, steal our witness, cause our children to be desensitized to the reality of God. All of these things happen in our lives because we become used to living under problems instead of overcoming problems. But Jesus has already told you, you're more than a conqueror. And there's nothing that can stop you, but it does require that you use faith. Now it's time, as it were, that we shake ourselves. And that we realize that the things that are happening are our enemies. And that we start dealing with them. Because the more passive we become, the more insensitive we become, the more despondent we become, and the less obedient we become. So, let's you and I tonight, let's work a miracle. Not in God's hands. He's already given you a promise. Already given you a promise. I remember 50 years ago, I was working in Columbus, Ohio, living in the same building that I used to pimp women out of before I got married to my wife, Phyllis. Right off of 2nd Avenue. I was on 2nd Avenue, right off 5th Avenue. On the corner was the White Castle. And around there were all types of bars that we frequent. We frequent uh, in order to make contacts and... uh, I was living there, and I was making a dollar sixty-five an hour. Phyllis was pregnant with Nikki, and uh, I started living for God, and uh, I didn't have a high school graduation then. I hadn't taken the GED. And uh, making a dollar sixty-five an hour just wasn't enough money to have a baby. wasn't hardly enough to buy groceries. But we bought groceries and we fed a man that was in a wheelchair, and we cooked for him, and Phyllis fed him every night. And uh, 
but I seen a guy that I work with showed me an ad. Said, hey, they want workers out here at this uh, lumber company, and they're going, they're going to pay $185 a week salary. Now you figure a $1.65 to $185 salary was pretty good money. Pretty good jump. It says you got to have skill, got to have experience, you got to have a high school diploma. I said, well, I'm going to go out there. He said, you can't go out there. You can never graduate high school, man. I said, I, I, I'm going to go. He said, you know anything about lumber? I said, no. So I went out there and I sat down, filled out the paperwork. And the guy says, you don't have a high school diploma. I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, do you know anything about lumber? I said, no, I don't. I don't know anything and I'm not qualified for anything. But what I will tell you is this, that I am born again. And if you give me two weeks, I will prove myself to be the best worker you have in this company, or you keep my paycheck and I'll go down the road. Well, he hired me right on the spot. He said, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to hire you. And I thought, I do. God's on my side. And God will use a foolish thing. And right now, he's making you a fool. And uh, he hired me. And about a year later, I was yard foreman. Three years later, I was inside company manager and after that I left and had my own lumber company but I attribute that because I dared to use my faith I used my faith if a blind man can see what God can do by faith you and I should be able to see it amen if you want miracles, and you told me you did, you told me you believed every promise of God, then let's start a revolution. And let's overthrow oppression for liberty, lack for abundance, amen? Depression for joy. Come on, let's rise up and be the overcomer that God said we were. Hallelujah. Praise God. I think I'm done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Come on. You are a miracle worker. Start the miracle. Release your faith. Just start it. Stick to it. Don't let it go. Don't give up. Don't get weary. Don't get off track. Just keep faith alive. And let us see what God will do. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. God, we bless every individual, every family, every business. God, let it be increased. Father, open up the eyes of our understanding. Quicken us, God, 
to desire to taste and see that the Lord is good. God let us live in the realms of the overcomer and the realms of the victorious in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning.